Praise the Lord. He is the name above every name, Jesus. Hallelujah. I wrote that song uh, concerning the time, my sophomore year in college, I was confronted with some individuals, uh, two individuals actually, who carry a piece of literature with them that's blue with name tags, and they usually, their first name is Elder. (laughs) You might know who I'm talking about. I was confronted with a uh, group of guys who were very, 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 very passionate about their walk with Jesus Christ. And uh, it was quite an encounter because they were just as passionate, if not more passionate about Jesus Christ and their walk and their beliefs about truth as I was. But they were different. I mean, if these guys are passionate about Jesus Christ, I'm passionate about Jesus Christ and we believe different things, then who's right? So I wrote that song. Speaking of a journey, I went for 11 months and I was on a journey and I was stripped of everything that I was given as an evangelical Christian Christ follower. And uh, the Lord really had to prove himself to me. And he did. Um, There's a lot of details in there. But where I ended up was that Jesus Christ came up out of that grave on the third day. And because he did, you investigate uh, the chronicles of history. I'm speaking secular historians. You check it out, man. You notice that in the first century, there are people by the thousands being fed to lions, being burned alive, boiled in oil, crucified upside down because they said they saw this guy named Jesus of Nazareth who was supposed to have been dead, but they were willing to die some terrible deaths. I'm telling you, I would have been the first one to get my money back had that been me. There's something to that. That's what that song was about. But today, we're in the second week of the Names of Christ series. And it's really an exciting thing because names mean something. How many know that? I mean, it's like that paycheck you pick up every other Thursday. You get that check and you get excited because the numbers on that check represent some dollars at that bank. Amen? And so, the same... with. If you were to come to me after service and I were to write some numbers with a dollar sign on the front and some zeros in the back, you throw it in the trash because it doesn't mean anything. But when you get that paycheck, it stands for something. And that's what we see with the conversation of names. I mean, for me, I can remember my seventh grade year in art class. My world got flipped upside down when I found out that my boyhood heroes, the Ninja Turtles, were named after some ancient European hippies. I mean, my boy Leonardo let me down. I thought he was one of a kind. But even the Ninja Turtles got it. Names mean something. You may have heard of a rap artist by the name of Soldier Boy. Raise your hand if you know who he is. It's okay. You're cool if you don't. It's okay. Soldier Boy. I saw an interview with him a couple days ago, and he said as a child, his number one dream in life, what a waste. His number one dream in life was to be in a stadium on a stage with thousands of people screaming his what? Screaming his name. Now, black people for generations, now, I know everybody else makes fun of us. What kind of name is that? Jaquante? <laughs> I'm glad he's, here. he's not here. That's one of my students' names. Anyway, <laughs> black people over the last several generations have perfected the formulas for names. I'm telling you. And if you're like my wife and I, we're thinking about what we're going to name our first child. You may be thinking about what you're going to name your next child. The fact of the matter is, if you're at a roadblock, you've come to the right place this morning. I'm here to give you a secret, okay? This is not a Mason meeting, but here's a secret for you, okay? 
all you do, let's say one of the formulas, all you do is you take the first sound of the dad's name, take the first sound of the mom's name, tie them together with Isha, and there you got it. I mean, it's not hard. <laughs> so Maggie and I's next child would be called, or our first child would be called Jamisha. Now that formula particularly doesn't work like the McCready's. Their next kid would be called Shashisha, okay? <laughs> so you plug that into another formula and you get something like Sharika or something like that. Can't y'all see Sharika McCready up here singing one of the songs? Okay, so last thing I want to say about names, you know, I can remember the first time I was called the N-word as a boy. And uh, let me go ahead and say that the myth is not necessarily true because the little boy that called me the N-word could outrun me and I'm black, okay? So he outran me. I got home and I told my mother, I said, I wanted, I wanted to punch him in his face and make him hurt on the outside like he made me hurt on the inside. And she, she told me something very powerful. She said, but Jazz, why are you tripping? She said, my mom did say that to you. Why are you tripping? <laughs> she said, that's not your name. If you do that, what you say you feel like doing it, you might be living up to that name, but that ain't your name. And so today we're here to talk about the name above every name, about the one at whose name every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess, about the one who changed the water into the wine, who gave sight to that blind man, the one who walked down on the water and calmed the rage and see the old song say, do you know the man from where? From Galilee, the one who with his word healed the noble man's son, who looked at the lame man and said, today your sick days are done. The one who fed the multitude with two fish and five loaves of bread, who went to that tomb and that tomb and gave life to that dead man, who on the third day rose from the grave, who was now seated at the right hand of the father, ruling and reigning and soon to come again this morning. You ought to get excited about it. We're here to talk about Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But the fact is, the name of Jesus is really commonplace in America and across the world. There's only a small minority of people who despise the name of Christ. There's a great majority of people who esteem the name of Christ. But my question for you and my question for the world is, what meaning do you read inside the name of Christ? Now, last week, we talked about Emmanuel. Pastor Shannon did a great job. I love that name. Isaiah 7, 4, the Lord himself will show you a sign. The virgin will conceive and bear a son. You will call his name Emmanuel. Translated, God with us. Isaiah 9, 6 says that the virgin will, or uh, you're to call his name uh, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God with us. Eternal Father. That's stuff you can't say about a man. Come on. You can't say that stuff about a man. I'm here today to talk about the name Yeshua, which is one of my favorites. Who saw the movie Passion of the Christ? Now, when you saw that movie, you noticed they didn't come out and say, Jesus, with the British accent, the old English, old English accent, like all the old Jesus movies. They didn't say, Jesus, wherefore art thou, Jesus? What did they call him? They called him Yeshua. And I talked to a lot of people. I love Jesus. I don't need you to tell me about Jesus. I love Jesus. I don't read my Bible. No, I don't fellowship. No. But I love Jesus. No, I don't listen to his rules either. I'm doing a pretty good job. Thank you. But my question for you, my question is, what meaning do you read inside the name? When you say the word, the name Jesus, guess what you're saying? Yeshua. Guess what that means? The salvation of God. God saves. In short, you're saying Savior. 
I love Jesus, but I don't love Yeshua. I'm asking you, what meaning do you read inside the name? And when we talk about Jesus being the Savior, Yeshua, this is where the conversation gets sticky. Because the culture is cool talking about Jesus as a social worker. The culture is cool talking about Jesus as a Santa Claus. But when you talk about Jesus as Savior from my sins, we got beef. Because if Jesus is the Savior from my sins, you're suggesting that I'm a sinner. And I don't think I'm a sinner because I'm a pretty good person. But if we're going to get serious about investigating Jesus Christ, if we're going to get serious about investigating the work that he did, the gospel, the good news, his purpose, his mission, where he worked out of, you recognize that he was all about the holiness of God. And yes, I said it, please don't send me a bad email, the depravity of man. Because I tell my students at the center, time to go, it's 5.30, no cookies. What's the first thing they want to do? They want to go in that kitchen and get some cookies. Why? Because we're sinful. And not just that we're sinful, it doesn't even begin there. It begins with the holiness of God. The work of Christ is centered in God and not on man. And that is a transition for many people in our day. And I want to encourage you, there are a lot of people who speak the truth or pieces of the truth, but we don't speak it the right way all the time. So I want to say this as gently as as possible. And I know there are many amongst us right here today who haven't come to that place. You probably think... I haven't come to the place I need. But my question is, if we're going to be serious about investigating the work and the person of Jesus Christ, we got to be honest about the context he worked out of, and that was that God was holy. Listen to what uh, John saw in the book of Revelation. What were the angels singing? They didn't say, mighty, mighty, mighty is the Lord God Almighty. They didn't say, lovely, lovely, lovely. Guess what they said? Holy. And there's a part of that scripture says that they never stop day or night. I mean, it's like they're on all the time. Holy, 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 holy. I'm willing to believe God didn't put a push a button on them and, and repeat, repeat, repeat. They do that because they get it. He's a holy God. And just because I'm progressing in my in my spiritual journey doesn't take away my sins. And I'm going to stand before him one day. Listen to what David said. This man slept with a man's uh, wife, looked at her, lusted after her, called him up, called her up, slept with her, committed adultery, killed, killed her husband. God sends the prophet to him. And when he recognizes his sin, guess what he said? He said, oh, Lord, against you and you alone have I sinned. Not that he wasn't tripping and messed up somebody's whole family, but he understood. He got first things first. Obey your third. That wasn't part of my... He understood God is holy. Isaiah puts it this way. Our good deeds deeds are filthy rags. The psalmist asked the question, who may ascend the holy hill of the Lord and who may stand in his holy place? Paul reminds us that all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. He goes on to remind us, though, and this is why we're here this morning. He says, the wages of sin is death. What's the next word? But say it like you mean it. Come on, say it like you mean it. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Yeshua. Now, I know we know and we love the commercialized Jesus. My question for you, do you know the crucified one? You didn't hear me. (laughs) You didn't hear me. I know you know and love the commercialized Jesus, but do you know the crucified one? 
John the Baptist saw Jesus come and he said, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the what? Sins of the world. The angel told Joseph, speaking of Mary, she's going to bear a son and you'll call his name Yeshua, for it is he who will save his people from their sins. And I talk to a lot of people who love Jesus, but I'm not sure they love Yeshua. I hear him say, well, Jesus didn't talk about me needing a savior. That was his disciples. And that's those radical Christians like you talking about he's the only way. But you, please just tell me something. And this is for Christians as well and everybody on the spectrum. If we're going to get serious about Jesus, we got to look at these things. What did Jesus mean then when he said the son did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom? What did he mean if there's no if there's another way? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. What did he mean? Unless you believe that I am, you will die in your sins. Soon to be crucified in communion with the Father, he played and said, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. What did he mean? Soon to be crucified, he said, now my soul has become troubled. And what shall I say, Father? Save me from this hour. No, for this purpose I came to this hour. Jesus, Yeshua. So I submit to you, that Jesus being void of the Savior is really no Jesus at all. Reject him. You don't have to receive him, but at least let's get honest with ourselves. But there's good news. Everybody say good news. Because I've been talking about a lot of bad news with a lot of people, and I was in the same boat. But the good news, according to Jesus' words, is this. We all know the scripture. What happens when we go to a football game? We see people on the outside holding up song, uh, signs with John, what? 316. Let me, let's look at that. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal what? For God did not send the world into the judge to judge the world, but that the world should be saved through him. So get off my back. Oh. Well, if I read John 316 and I read John 317, I'm probably probably need to read John 3, 18. And these are the words of Jesus. And I say these with love. And I'm, this is a reminder to all of us who forget that Jesus is the Savior before he's the social worker. He is interested in those things. Listen to what he said. He who believes in him, speaking of himself, is not judged. He who does not believe in him has been judged already because he's not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. That's Jesus speaking. So we know from the scripture that it's appointed to every man once to die and then the judgment. And I hear people say, well, why does God have to be a judge? Why do you got to be so harsh? But I, I submit to you, it's a good thing because if God is not a judge, if he's not a very stern, strict, across the board, holy judge, then when it's all done and said with, you're going to be up in the crib with Adolf Hitler. I'm telling you. And Bin Laden. And the guy that shot my, my cousin's baby's mama, his boyfriend, and that's real, he got off. The guy who stabbed my uncle in the back when I was three years old, he got off. And we all know people that we feel like, oh, I hope God gets them. But I'm here to tell you, we fall in the same boat. He's going to judge sins from white lies down to genocide. The question is, have you been forgiven? But I got good news for you. There's a story of a man named Zacchaeus. I don't know if you've heard about him. He was a short guy, the Bible says. It says that he knew Jesus was coming through the town, and he's looking, tipping up on his toes. He's trying to find Jesus. He wasn't tall enough because Derek was standing in his way. Everybody knows Derek. He's about 7 foot 11 or 13. 
He couldn't see over, so he climbed up in a sycamore tree. And when he did, Jesus was like, yo, Zacchaeus, I'm staying at your crib tonight. Zacchaeus was like, what? Now, everybody hated Zacchaeus because he was a tax collector. And if you were a tax collector, that means you worked for the Romans. And if you worked for the Romans, you were corrupt. And you were on your way to hell, according to everybody. But Jesus looked at him and said, salvation has come to your house tonight. And I submit to you that if you've been written off and if you feel like God hates you, maybe you don't feel like God hates you. Salvation has come to your house tonight. Yeshua has come to save you from your sins. Not just your problems. Second part of, point I want to make, and I'm, I'm about to close. Now, I know a lot of people who say, well, Jesus is my Savior. But I'm telling you, if Jesus is your Savior, he's not only here to save you from your sins, he's here to save you from yourself. And how many know when you came out of your mama's womb, that doctor smacked you on the butt? You weren't welcomed into this world with a clean slate. I mean, you were welcomed in this world with a bunch of problems. I'm telling you predispositions to rage and sin and alcohol abuse and cocaine abuse and all of the above. There's a reason because you were born into sin shaped by iniquity. And Jesus came not only to take your sins away, he came to save you from yourself. But we get mad at Jesus because Jesus wants me to be his Lord or he wants to be my Lord. Why can't I do this, Jesus? Why can't I do that? And we embrace a Jesus that's our homeboy and not our king. And Jesus is saying, if I'm your savior from your sins, I'm your savior from yourself. Let me do it. That I'm on the team, but he's the coach. I'm on the plane, but he's the navigator. I'm on the boat, but he's the captain. He's the Lord. And I want to tell you a story about Peter. We've heard of Peter. He chopped the man's ear off. We joke on Peter because he denied the Lord three times. But guess what? Peter was the pillar for the Jewish church in the first uh, century. And if it weren't for the Jewish people being Christians, we wouldn't be here. Peter's work. And guess what? Says, the Bible says Jesus saw him on the beach one day. He looked at him and was like, yo, follow me. He's like, okay. And he did. Now, how many of you guys, you just saw this dude walking on the beach? Shalom, shalom, follow me. How many of you would follow him? Well, Peter did. And look what happened in Peter's life. And I submit to you what would happen to the kingdom of God if the people of God surrendered their lives to God. And Jesus wants to do more than just take your sins away. He wants to be your Lord. And I promise you, you won't be sorry. No, oh. Lord, you want me to give this up? Yes, and watch what happens. We get mad. Save me from my situation, but what? maybe you wouldn't have been in that situation if he was your Lord in the first place. My last point, maybe you resonate with Zacchaeus, maybe you resonate with Peter, maybe you resonate with the woman caught in adultery. Notice what Jesus didn't say to her. Caught in adultery, they throw her before him. She's probably naked because they just caught her. She's embarrassed, she's covering herself. She's ashamed. Yes, she messed up, she did. Notice what Jesus didn't say to her. You should be ashamed of yourself. If you would have surrendered to God, you wouldn't have been there. He didn't say that. He said, I'll give you a new start. Go and sin no more. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. My mercies are renewed every morning. So Jesus is not only here to save you from your sins, not only here to save you from yourself, but I'm telling you, he's here to save you from your past. And because Jesus Christ is not only the Savior and the Lord, but he is a redeemer. And that's a big word. Amen. I don't know about y'all, but maybe y'all don't need Jesus to redeem you from your past. But me and my family and my history and what I was supposed to be, and supposed to be locked up and 511 babies' mamas and nobody's baby's uh, wife. That was supposed to be me. But Jesus Christ stepped forth because he is not just Jesus. He is Yeshua, the Savior. So as I wrap this up, I want you to think about it. And the guy's going to come up. 
I want you to think about this. Maybe you're Zacchaeus. Maybe there's no hope for you. Maybe religion hasn't worked for you. Maybe it has. Maybe you're at odds with God and you've been progressing spiritually, but your sins ain't been forgiven. I'm here to tell you, Jesus loves you. And he's pointing at you right now and he's saying, salvation has come to your house. I'm here to save you from your sins. Or maybe you're Peter. Maybe you're headed in in the right direction and you were fishing, but Jesus is coming to you and saying, if you follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. And I'll change your life and I'll give you a purpose. Maybe you've been coming to church. Maybe Jesus forgave you of your sins, but are you following him? Is he Lord? Is he king? Maybe you're Peter. And maybe you're the woman caught in adultery. Maybe it's not adultery for you. Maybe you messed up big. Maybe you messed up big a whole bunch of times. I'm here to tell you, Yeshua is here to save you too. And he's not going to tell you, shame, shame, shame. How dare you go into that church building and carry your Bible and claim that you love Jesus. He's here to tell you, I'll give you a new start. My grace is sufficient for people just like you. And I ain't mad at you. I love you. And so as they play this song, there are going to be some in, in the front that are going to be here willing to pray with you and talk with you. Maybe you want to dialogue. Maybe you want to monologue. That's fine. Maybe you got a bunch of words and you don't got no ears open. That's fine too. But I'm telling you, if Yeshua is the Savior, there's no greater purpose in life than knowing him. Because when you die, you will stand before him. He said, the Father will judge no man, but has given all judgment to the Son so that all will honor the Son just like they honor the Father. Jesus is God. And we will stand before him one day. And so the good news is that Yeshua loves you. So as they play this song, I want you to think about that. I'll be in the front. Pastor Shannon will be in the front. A few others. Yeshua. Yeshua.